let's dive into our Bible study uh, in Galatians chapter 4. I'm excited tonight. We're going to be taking communion together, uh, which is something we've never done here before. Um, And so if you're foreign to the idea of taking communion, then um, don't feel obligated to participate. But I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have uh, taken communion at some point, whether it was here at Cornerstone or not at Cornerstone. But we're going to be taking communion together at the end of the service, uh, which I'm excited for. I just have one question for us to focus on, one question that I really want to hit home, and one question that I really want us to analyze. And here's the question, am I living in bondage? Am I living in bondage? Uh, There's, uh, through our different seasons, we can find ourselves in bondage to other struggles or other things, other temptations. Our bondage uh, could be to a particular sin struggle like the uh, struggle of lust. Uh, we could feel a, uh, some, some kind of a, uh, an enslavement to that. Or um, it could be anger for you. Maybe you have just been under the headship of anger and you easily become angered and you're not exactly sure how to escape from that feeling of bondage. Maybe it's not um, a sin like lust or anger, but maybe it's just worry, which the Bible says that worry is a sin. And so maybe you have just been bound by worry through your life through this particular season of life because you've struggled finding work or you've struggled uh, finding relationships. Um, Maybe you've had a desire to be married or in a dating relationship, but worry just overwhelms you and you have become a slave to worry. So maybe you have come to young adults and you have felt like you have been enslaved by something and maybe it's been something for a while. And when I think of the phrase or the, the word bondage, uh, a lot of different mental images come to mind. You know, when I think of bondage, I think of uh, being stuck, uh, being trapped uh, with no way out. I can remember when I was 10 years old uh, during the summer months. Uh, what does a 10-year-old do during the summer months? I mean, you find ways to get in trouble. It's just what you do. You look for different things to do that, you know, might, you know, get, get you in trouble. And so I remember... Is myself and, and my brother Tyler and a couple of our neighborhood friends, we were uh, just kind of going around the neighborhood and just trying to find different things to do and different ways to get in trouble. And we come to this specific lot in our neighborhood um, where there was a fence. And so we come to that fence and the fence says, keep out danger, which in my 10-year-old eyes, the translation is come in adventure. And so we hop the fence, and then we, we come to the entrance of our neighborhood's sewer system. Um, I don't know if any of you guys in your neighborhood have found where that is, but you have one, maybe. I, I really don't know, but I'm, I'm 10 years old, and we hop the fence, and we come to this entrance that is probably about five feet tall, and so we, we just naturally are curious and wonder, what, what is this? And so we come to find that it's our neighborhood's sewer system. It's the entrance into, you know, every, uh, every pathway. And uh, so, you know, what do we do the next day? We gather all our gear. We take our flashlights. We get our backpacks. We take a, a pen and a pencil and a notepad to trace our steps. And we enter the sewage system. And so we did this day after day. So we would walk through the sewage system, uh, through different tunnels. Other places were a little bit harder to get through. We had to get on our hands and knees and get, you know, get, you know, some of you are feeling kind of claustrophobic at this moment, but we had to 
at some places get on our hands and knees and crawl through certain uh, nooks and crannies and uh, just go through the tunnel system. Other places, they were high enough where our 10-year-old frame, we could walk. Um, and so we did this day after day, but there came a point where at the day, we were too scared to keep going. And so we would be tracing our steps, and then we would go out, and then the next day, we'd go back in and we'd go a little further, take our flashlights, get a little scared. We couldn't fit through a place, but the next day we built up the courage. We'd crawl through the place. The next day we'd go back, go even further than we had the previous day, and we did this for weeks. I remember there was one day where we had traveled so far that we then came to this point where we were too scared and we looked at our buddy who was tracing the map and we were like, let's go back. You know, maybe, maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll go a little further. And he said, I didn't trace our steps today. And I remember in that moment feeling stuck, feeling there is no way out. I mean, we were so far through this sewer system. We were outside of our neighborhood. We were not in the realm of our neighborhood at this moment. And we had no idea where to go from there. I mean, we felt stuck. We felt like we, there was no way out at this point. And what do we do? We just start screaming. We just start yelling because we have no idea where we are, how to get out, because if we take a wrong turn left or right, we'll just keep on going and, and, and who knows where we'll end up. So thank the Lord. I think he was watching over us that day. I mean, you probably ask, where, where was your dad? Where was he, he? He was studying for a sermon, okay? Probably the title was Good Parenting. And so he was prepping for a sermon. There was no accountability, you know, on that, those certain uh, Saturdays where me and my buddies would venture through the sewage system. And, uh, and this sounds really dirty and really messy, which it was, but it was an adventure. Um, and so then we come to that point, like I mentioned, where we, we're just lost. We're stuck. There's no way out. And so we just start screaming at the top of our lungs and thank the Lord, someone heard us. So... He comes, and you know, to this day, I always, I always wonder, me and my brother, was that an angel? I think that was an angel who came to our rescue that day. But we screamed at the top of our lungs, and the, the man heard us, and in the middle of a road, we were in the middle of a road, uh, he picks up the manhole and opens it up, pries it open, and we crawl out, and we will never do that again. But I can remember... Like it was yesterday, those feelings, like I mentioned, of I feel completely stuck, completely lost in this. There is no way out. I remember feeling so scared because I, I was so deep into it. And we were so far that no one was going to hear us. No one was going to find us. And, and we were just stuck. We were stuck. And some of us can tend to feel that way when it comes to different things in our lives, like I mentioned, with lust or anger or fear or worry or whatever, whatever it might be in your cer- certain circumstance. You have that hopeless feeling of, I can't get out. I'm stuck. There's no way out. Paul in Galatians chapter 4, and I want to read a little bit of that, He addresses some Christians who feel bound, who have chosen to enslave themselves to some form of bondage. And it says here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, 
This is Paul writing, and he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is um, under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage. You can circle that word. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then, and here's where he calls them out, calls them out. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Isn't that strong there? So what Paul is talking to them about in a nutshell is here were some Christians who uh, in the church were feeling safer under the law of Moses because when we are under the law, we can measure how well we're doing with God because when we look at the law, we can, we can kind of compare ourselves to the law and say, okay, I'm doing this well, I'm doing that well, I'm doing that well. And we love the law because we feel safe in the rules. And that's how we then dictate our performance before the Lord. And so some Christians, born-again believers, were resorting back to the law in order to find their salvation, in order to find their safety, in order to find their fulfillment and satisfaction. And Paul says, listen, you are choosing something, the law, that is not as powerful as the grace of God, and you are actually enslaving yourselves back to the law. He says, but you need to come out from under the law because Christ was that person who was perfect, fulfilled the law for us, so that now we can find salvation in the grace of God. But now you are no longer looking to the grace of God for your salvation. You are resorting back to the law, and Paul says you are enslaving yourselves. You are choosing to put yourselves back into bondage. That's what that was for, for, the, for the Christians there in Galatia. That was their bondage, ru- running back to the law. So like I mentioned, I don't know exactly what in your life you have found yourself enslaved to, but it happens. It happens to us as believers who are still in these bodies of flesh when sometimes we desire something contrary to Christ and it, then it becomes our master. It starts to rule over us, and we enslave ourselves to something other than Christ. And how does this fit back into communion, to which I want us to partake in just a moment? Well, briefly, in Exodus chapter 12, God instituted a feast with the Jews. And the feast was called Passover, or Pesach in the Hebrew. And Passover was a feast or a holiday that God wanted the Jews to celebrate because Passover commemorated the time when God released the Jews from their physical bondage of slavery in Egypt. And so the feast then was celebrated every single year on the 14th day of the month called Nisan. That's our March or April. So every single year on Nisan 14, the Jews, ever since that time, which is about 1450 BC, ever since they were freed from their 
physical enslavement to the Egyptians, when God set them free, God said, I want you to remember that I set you free from your physical bondage in Egypt by celebrating Passover. And so they would, it was a part of this feast where they would uh, eat the, the bread and they would drink the wine. And just, you know, we're having grape juice tonight, all right? But that was a part of their, their feast. And God says, I want you to remember this. Every time, every year, you celebrate this feast of Passover. I want you to remember when I set you free. Then Jesus comes along about 1,500 years later, and he gives it a completely new meaning to the feast called Passover. Not necessarily a new meaning, but a fuller meaning. Jesus comes along and he says, I bring a new covenant when we celebrate this feast called Passover. Because ultimately, the feast of Passover was intended and designed to point to the freedom we would find in Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his body, the the bread symbolic of his body, the wine, the juice symbolic of his blood, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was saying, in effect, you've celebrated this feast for almost 2,000 years because it commemorated when God delivered you from your physical bondage. I have come to set you free from a greater bondage, the bondage of sin and the bondage of death. And through the blood and body of Jesus Christ shed for us on the cross, when we put our trust in him and we put our faith in him and we repent of our sins and we turn to the Lord, through his body and through his blood, we now are not free from just a physical enslavement like the Jews were in Egypt, but we are free from the greatest enslavement in human history, the bondage of sin and death over our lives. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can be free from the bondage of sin. Paul said in Romans 7.14, talking about his old self, he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Jesus said in John 8.34, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Peter said in 2 Peter 2.19, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Listen, we are all slaves to a condition called sin. And when Jesus celebrated that feast with his disciples, that Passover meal, he was telling them, I'm bringing a fuller meaning to this. That feast that you celebrated when God set you free from your physical chains, I've come to set you free from the chains of sin and death. And so that's what we do when we take communion together. We remember that the reason Jesus came was to die and set us free from sin and death. Church, you no longer have to walk or be enslaved to sin. You can walk in newness of life because of the freedom Jesus Christ provides for you on the cross. Are you hearing me? This is the most important news. This is the gospel message. The most important thing that you can choose to follow and choose to chase after, choose to give your life to, is you can know, you can be free from the grip of sin or worry or the grip of fear over your life because Jesus said, after he said in John 8.34, the next verse in John 8.35, he said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The sun sets you free. You will be free indeed. I've come to tell you tonight, if you've struggled with just bondage, being stuck in something, Jesus' heart for you 
is that you'd be set free from that. Because he died to set you free so that you could be with him for eternity. And those small things in our lives that can creep up and be big things in our lives that enslave us and that keep us down and hold us in bondage. Jesus not only set you free so that eternally you could be with him, but in this life now, he's, he calls you to be set free from the grip of worry, the grip of lust, the grip of fear over your life. Because he says, if, if, you're, if you are in the sun, you are free indeed. You can be set free tonight from those chains that have held a lock and a grip over your life. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up to the stage. I'm going to ask our, our cup bearers, our ushers, to come forward now with the communion elements. Um, and as they just get set, uh, you know, if this taking communion seems um, foreign to you, um, you can let the tray pass by. Don't feel obligated to partake. But as uh, the ushers, when they come and when they distribute the trays, um, here's some instruction. Hold on. Hold on to the cracker. Hold on to the juice. Um, wait till everybody is served. And then I'm going to be back up. I'm going to give some more instruction. I'm going to pray. And then we're all going to partake together. All right. So when the ushers distribute the trays, hold on to it. Don't drink or eat yet. I'm going to be back up after we sing this song and we're going to partake together. But as, as you get your, your small cup of juice and as you take your cracker, um, if, if you know the Lord and you've put your faith and trust in him, but you just have something that's been on your heart and on your mind, um, and maybe you've been a slave to it, I just want you to ask the Lord um, to set you free from that. He wants to set each one of us free from whatever we have enslaved ourselves to. Um, and so as the trays are being distributed, just take a moment, just pray quietly to yourself. No, no distractions, um, no talking, just sitting quietly before the Lord. Um, and maybe you're in a season where uh, you're, you're, you're not enslaved to anything. Nothing's been in your life that has been holding you or has its grip on you. But just get your heart right before the Lord. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you know, take communion in a worthy manner to just ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, just to humble yourself before the Lord and just sit quietly and just get your heart right with the Lord. Just speak to him. Just talk with him. Uh, just praise him. Just glorify him. Just tell him how much you love him. Um, and then for those of us who, who just need to be set free from something in our lives, just ask the Lord. Take this time. Just, Lord, set me free from this. I don't want to be gripped by this anymore. Just set me free. Just ask the Lord to do his healing work he who is in the sun is free indeed. And so uh, we're going to sing a song. Uh, Usher's are going to distribute trays in just a moment. But let's all just take this time. Let's pray together. And then we'll partake in communion together. Uh, Lord, we just come before you now. And we ask, oh God, that you would do your healing work. Lord, I pray that you would just set us free from anything that we have bound ourselves to that is not honoring to you, God. Anything that we have um, allowed ourselves to be enslaved by, sin or fear or worry, whatever it might be in our lives that we have found ourselves slaves to, Lord, I pray that you would free us, Lord, that you would break our chains, Lord, that you would set us free, God. We take this time now to just remember your sacrifice for, all, for us on the cross when you shed your blood for us. 
Lord, we just praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins so that we can be free from sin and death because you conquered sin and death on the cross when you died and rose again, Lord. So we just take this time now to thank you so much, God. We praise you. We love you. Speak to us now. Begin your work in our hearts, Lord. Humble us so that we might just glorify and honor you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.